Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I'm very thrilled to tell you that I have Rob Young on the show. He is the creator and founder of Prodigy's Music, a fantastic resource for musical education for your kids. So we get into a lot of really exciting topics. We talk about his journey in creating prodigies, the struggles of a startup and really making your brand your own, uh, why he was so passionate about uh, being able to create this type of uh, program for kids, why it meant so much to him, how he's baked in his musical background and his passions with his work. A lot of great stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy it. it's just, it, this was a real treat. My kids were probably the most excited for this episode. Um, they are regular consumers of Prodigies and Mr. Rob's video lessons, and they were so thrilled to be able to get to meet him off air. Um, and I cannot thank Rob enough for his time. It was really a treat, and uh, it was just absolutely great. And Rob is really great about bringing his authenticity into everything that he does. What you see on Prodigies is what you get. Rob is 100% genuine and authentic and is really bringing out his full skill set and living his best life, uh, in my opinion. And that kind of brings us to today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Snuffy. Snuffy's a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And the company is run by Nick Silvestri, who's a dear friend. He designed the Detox logos, both the new regular one and the Pride Month official. So if you like the logos, you like his work, go check it out and go support trans people of color by participating and purchasing from snuffy.co. So I'll be right back with my conversation with Rob after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. You may be wondering why I'm singing like this. It's because today's guest is Mr. Rob. Rob Young, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, Joe. Thanks so much for having me today. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And for those who are super thrown off and confused and did not listen to the intro at all, Rob is the creator and founder of Prodigy's uh, music curriculum, which my kids are in love with. I know they were getting uh, the absolute thrill of their lives by getting to talk to Mr. Rob before we even started recording. And uh, I'm just, I'm super excited. There's a lot of really cool things I'm excited to dig into for this episode, specifically about music education and what you can do for your kids and talking a bit about your background as well. But I really want to start with a question I like to ask when parents come on the podcast, and that is, what do you think makes a good parent? Yeah, man, that is a tough one, and I, and I knew it was coming. <laughs> but uh, the the short answer for me is really just around kind of like two core ideas of just patience and joy, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, I just constantly am getting either fired up or frustrated by, you know, toddlerhood craziness and all the things that they throw your way. And I just constantly go back to those two ideas. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to come and be very mindful and be very patient. And for me, that's a big one. Just knowing that like I'm the parent and I'm not the one that's allowed to get emotional and they can kick and scream and yell. And it's going to be, I'm just going to breathe and I'm going to take it in stride. I'm going to laugh it off. That's, that's a really big one. And something that my wife and I talk about a lot 
Uh, and then just to, to sort of dovetail on that, just we're always trying to make things, just trying to get a good laugh, whether it's a bubble wand or uh, a tickled, <laughs> you know, a tickle fighter, some kind of crazy antics that we're always doing. Uh, so I'm constantly going back to that. And we, you know, we haven't really, our daughter's two and a half. So we haven't really started uh, preschool yet. So we're parenting 24 seven and we're just the three of us for the most part. So it's uh, for us, it's like uh, we're on all the time, which is a little intense, but it's also really fun. So we're just really genuine with her. And I don't know if that makes us great parents, but she's, you know, super happy and super engaged. And maybe she gets a little too much screen time, but so does her dad and mom, unfortunately, running a startup. So we're kind of all <laughs> in it together. And uh, we, we do love that about our little trio is that we're certainly in it together. So, you know, we all eat together. We all watch the same stuff. We just, we do everything together. So that's definitely kind of what's the most important to us anyway is just being together and having that uh like common that common little thread as a family it's been it's been two and a half crazy years but really fun for sure i love that i absolutely love that and i love that you talked about the startup so i so let's take a moment and really dig into the genesis of prodigies i know that you know for i think i was telling you this before we even started recording that i i saw prodigies as a pushed ad on either Facebook or Instagram. And that's where I was introduced to it. And it was something where I thought, you know, I've been trying to get my kids into music classes uh, in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, we've got a piano in the in the house. Uh, my grandmother was, uh, you know, uh, classically trained, went to or got accepted to Juilliard, all this kind of stuff. So it runs it runs in the family. And I, you know, we're trying to my kids are young, and we want to get them started. But with COVID-19 hitting and everything shutting down, that makes it difficult. And they're in that age where you really want to get them kind of regularly exposed in a way that they can comprehend and make sense to them. And so we saw this and thought this is the perfect opportunity to incorporate some of those. Wasn't sure how they were taking it. And then um, going on a car trip and just hearing uh, my kids tell me about, you know, the music scale and the do, re, mi, and then, or sound of music coming on and then saying, Hey, this is the, the songs that Mr. Rob sings made me go, okay, this is really taking hold. So that's a little bit about me and my ramble, but I'd love to know the genesis of prodigies and, and some of those early, early learnings that you had. Yeah, totally. So I can, the genesis of prodigies, it's a long story, but I'll try to break it up into the three sort of key moments. Um, my mom is an early educator. She ran a, a center for kids who have autism and, and all kinds of learning disabilities forever. So I was constantly exposed to kids who maybe learn a little different, constantly using music and rhythm as a means of therapy and communication. So I sort of had that background and just that upbringing. She was always singing everything. I was also a drummer as a kid. My whole family was drummers. Uh, and being a drummer, I, want, I went to NYU Music School. When I got there, I got my butt kicked by all of the pitch training, all of the singing, all of the solfege. So here I am, like the most accomplished uh, musician in my high school, quote unquote, and I'm just getting demolished by these basic musicianship tests because I didn't really focus on pitch, didn't really focus on yeah. like chords and things. I was just all about the drum set. So I struggled through that, got through it. I could tell all kinds of ear training funny stories about about those years. But then right after that, I ended up touring with this band on the weekends and in the evenings and then I was actually a preschool teacher by day which sort of segued to a preschool music teacher and then it sort of things sort of everything started to come full circle everything I had seen my mom do in early education and special education everything that I had done uh, in music school very recently at that point all this ear training stuff and I started to read about this research that Diana Deutsch had put it put 
out. And the idea or the sort of long story short is that kids who receive exposure to pitch during the critical years for auditory development will develop a stronger sense for pitch. And that seems obvious, but the reality is that in most of the United States or most of the Western world, people don't start piano lessons till age five or six or seven. And even if they are doing like music and movement classes at age two or three, that's really mu music and movement. And they're learning the days of the week and the ABCs and how to play a shaker, but they're not learning solfege and they're not focused on pitch. And the real like fun, crazy fact that kind of drove it all home is that if you compare kids who speak Mandarin Chinese and then you compare kids who speak English uh, in, this, in this study that Diana Deutsch did, it's essentially it's the same age kids, the same level of musical training. They're each been like trained for a year or two in the different groups. But the key difference is that one group speaks Mandarin, one group speaks English because Mandarin is a language that's based in pitch. It's very sing-songy. The words have certain ah. contour and inflections. As a result of that, the kids are doing pitch training from infancy, from you know neonatal, like they hear their parents, yeah. everything is pitch. So that makes, makes a lot of sense. sense. Yeah, so their whole brain is just like, like just better developed for hearing those little nuances. And as a result, they, they have perfect pitch. They seem to be better than all of us Americans at music. And it's like, why is that? Well, if they grew up speaking that and having that exposure. So then I, I read that I was blown away at the time I had a kid's band and I was like, we were focused on being kind and, and on nutritional eating. And we were like, wouldn't it be cool to do a sort of another concert or another album that was focused on teaching music to young kids, working the solfege, working the colors, working other things, brain based, based vocabulary and make it really uh, accessible. Um, my, my background was in music tech and in high school I did a lot of film work. And then, so as soon as I started to come up with these ideas, it was like, well, we should have like a animated colorful thing on the screen. Cause then I won't have to hold up flashcards for the kids to play the right. right instrument and the right notes. And then it was like, well, these PowerPoints are great, but what if they moved faster? What if there was a host? What if I was the host? What if we like shot like a cartoon and then within like four or five months we had the first episode and it looked awful and it sounded awful and my hair was like down on my shoulders and I couldn't see and it was like a total mess yeah. but it uh you know it totally worked and it kind of validated the idea and man I mean I could tell stories about iterating and improving but that's really where it started and then we just keep on going and kept on going and now we're here some 550 episodes and four instruments later kind of thing I love the um, the full journey of and and specifically iterating, like finding finding um, finding an interesting fact, and then really falling in love with the problem. I think you see a lot of times in learning and development or startups or different companies or whatever whatever you're doing that you find, and I, I've been guilty of this myself as well, is you fall in love with your solution that you have to a statement or a problem. And then you're like, this is this is clearly the best thing ever in the history of world, and there's no reason to improve because I've I've just maxim like I've just created it. And then when people offer helpful feedback, you get really uh, defensive and then shut down, and you're not willing to iterate and adjust and move. And so I love you know this was a skill that I had to learn a lot later in life, but I'm so glad that I learned it where. What is the, what's the problem? What are you looking to solve, right? So I think, you know, we're looking at this podcast and I want to educate and empower my parent listeners to raise more inclusive kids. Boom. All right, how do we do that? We get people on that share awesome perspectives like you 
and that they can then take back uh, to themselves and then also apply to their kids. So with you thinking about, you know, the problem, uh, or I guess maybe the question of why are um, kids who speak English versus kids who speak Mandarin um, from a pitch perspective so far off from each other. And then when you're able to break that down and go, okay, so this is the reason that they're having a difference in pitch, how do we solve for that? Well, here's a way, knowing that this is the most uh, informative years from a pitch perspective, let's see what makes the most sense to drive those learnings home at that perspective, since we're not all learning Mandarin from be before birth, you know? And I absolutely, I, I love that. Yeah, and it totally informs everything we do as far as the decisions we make creatively. And it, and it certainly, and like you were saying, you know, we, we are sort of married to certain ideas, then we get criticism or we get feedback. And, you know, like you were sort of saying, there's a time and a place where that's kind of hurtful, but there's also this opportunity to learn from it. And we've really leaned on our music teachers who are some vocal people, let me tell you, about, <laughs> you know, how the curriculum should be. And they, uh, they have some really great ideas and they certainly are what has propelled us forward. So, you know, here we had this fun idea. Let's make something that's like Blues Clues meets Guitar Hero, but it's all based right. on pitch training for young kids. But then all the music teachers, to their credit, were the ones who were like, you should do it with this and you should do these songs because they're based on this pedagogy and they're, you should do the, you know, this uh, collection of songs because it's like those other ones, but slightly different and all these ideas or you should do this instrument in this key because that's what I teach every year. And, you know, so we've just really listened to our audience and that's good. And just, just follow them really follow their lead. You know, I heard, um, I heard I, one of the podcasts that I, I love to listen to is, is and they don't need a plug from me, but how I built this with Guy Raz, it's fantastic. And, and uh, I have no doubt that one day you'll be on there as well. And, but I heard the, I believe it was the founders of Instagram uh, who were talking about, about iter, you know, the different iterations of Instagram. And they said, um, people can get lost in asking people why they're not participating in a product or, um, a program or whatever it is. And they said, what we decided was we cut those people out and we asked the people who did use the product, why they used it, what they liked about it and how they think it could be better. And then we built upon that user, those empathy interviews and we continued to build on that. And then the people who weren't using it started coming because it had a, um, a tide effect, right? So like as it's rising, it's bringing other people in. And so I really love, I love that you're talking about listening to the music teachers and the people who are actively using the product um, and are invested in the product doing well because then they're able to get greater learning out of it. They're able to have better conversations, better lessons with the students. Uh, all of this, you know, I mean, goes, I'm learning stuff that I didn't know, right? And my, my three-year-old is teaching me, you know. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm, I'm learning that, so stuff I, too. Yeah. I'm like, man, I got to review these songs in fixed dough. Because, I mean, it, this is getting into the weeds, but we do fixed dough. So all the notes are always the same solfege. A lot of what yeah. we're taught is movable dough. So I had to like relearn a whole ton of this stuff and it's just easier for, for young kids to do fixed though. We don't have to get into the weeds on that, but it's like, sure. but total, I'm always relearning stuff. It's, it's so funny. I'm like, oh, I have the practices. Mary had a little lamb in a different key. Like not, not that song. That's an easy one, but you right. get the idea that it's like, yeah, it's kind of silly, but then you're like, all right, well, I got to really nail this performance. So here we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know from your perspective, what were some of the, um, early, I would say, growing pains that you had with 
with prodigies? What were some of the things that you tried and maybe didn't take as well? And then what were some of the unique um, learnings that you got out of just continuing to iterate your product? Yeah. I mean, we got, we could go on for in both directions for a long time, but the, um, some of the earlier problems we faced were, I mean, the the most obvious one or the one that I would warn most entrepreneurs or most small businesses about is, um, trying to, trying to develop new products and, or trying to develop new, for us, it was more like series, more, um, instruments, more series, more, and, and products as well. We went into selling other instruments. We went into selling other types of memberships. You can get a one year, three year. We had features. We didn't have features. You know, this is a little cheaper. Right. This, you, do you want this upgrade? Like, and we had all these things and it was just really confusing. It was decision fatigue. And like, we had, you know, we proved a couple of these products to ourselves and to the few hundred people that had bought them, but we had yet to have the one that like really took off. So we just started taking all these things we had put into different places. Like, okay, well, if you get this membership, you get these features and then no, let's just bring it over here into this membership. We just basically consolidated everything into one of two options. You're either, you know, a monthly subscriber as a family and it's easy pause and go whenever you want. And it's not that expensive or you're looking to invest for years because you're a music studio or you're uh, you're a school. And once we made that distinction, like so many things, changed for us just the amount of overwhelm for us for our users um you know we're no longer are we making new product pages and testing them all the time we're just making our core offer better word of mouth people are spreading the word that so that that was that's a big one for us as far as things we did that really fundamentally changed the business or changed our sort of trajectory was just simplifying and getting real, really clear about what we offered. And, and we sort of over deliver in that, like it's only $13 a month and you get all the videos, you know, we could have split it up into different memberships, but then you're like nickel and diming families and, and teachers and who wants it? I don't want to do that. Like that's not the right. Uh, and then there's some people who want this kind of content. Some people who want this kind in this little environment we have, they all support each other as opposed to it being like, why are they developing this one and not the other one? So that's been nice. Uh, and then the other thing that we had that was sort of, uh, that we, that we've learned over time is to, is to batch things and to mm. really get the hang of mass producing content. So it's, you know, back in the day I would, and I still, I still make most of the episodes from start to finish by myself. These days I do have a team. Uh, I have a buddy who does music, who does animation, who does, um, sheet music work and research for us, uh, and people who do like web and artwork and stuff now, but, but a lot of the episodes I will still do from start to finish, but the, the real trick, it took, it took years, maybe like 300 episodes to really lock down. These are the exact things that make a prodigy's episode. This is like what the intro looks and sounds like. This is what the, the camera should, or animation should do you know, all those little things. And once I was like, once I was able to stop freaking out about what's coming tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing tomorrow? And like, sit down and like, really look at what we've built and like, why is this working? What's the formula? And it honestly started when we started hiring people because they're like, cool, how do I do this? And I'm like, oh, just like, just like this. And then they don't do it right. And you're like, why didn't you do it right? And they're like, well, you didn't really tell me what to do. You just told me to watch this video. Like I watched it, but <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, you didn't see this sweet transition I animated in at, at minute seven and a half. They're like, no, <laughs> yeah. like, like, 
So it's stuff like that. So just getting really clear about those steps. So now we have like a nice list of, you know, when we're shooting a video or, you know, how many videos have I, and I shoot most of them by myself or with one other buddy. And it's like, how many times have we made the same mistake? Well, now we have a yeah. checklist for that. Like, you know, stuff, basics, basic, basics. So like the moral of the story for us is always back to basics. Keep it simple, stupid. Like we just constantly are telling each other that because for us, it's so easy to get lost in it. Like, let's make yeah. a funny episode that like offshoots this series and combines this. And it's like, it's way too confusing. Like for the people who live it 24 seven, maybe it's funny, maybe it makes sense. But if somebody like is just coming in and can't understand why we did this random episode, you know, maybe it's not worth doing it. So that's kind of where we're at now. You know, we've gone through a lot of iterations where we're scattered the wind and trying to do too many things. And now we're definitely a little bit more focused. Um, and we're just trying to bring more quality to every product launch, every video we put out, as opposed to trying to do more and more. We'll just do the same exact thing, but we'll do it better. Uh, and you mentioned like getting a push ad for, for bells on Instagram, you know, back in the day, we'd run an ad like that. We were lucky if the ad sort of paid for itself. And now it's like that ad could pay for itself like eight times over. Granted, there's like margins and the bells and stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, so it's not like the bells are, uh, you know, a huge cash cow. They, a lot of the times they're, they're more stressful to deal with than anything because they're big and they're bulky and they're shipping and all. But, but either way, you get the, you get the idea that we've, uh, we're doing the same thing over and over and over making it better and better and better. And I, as a young entrepreneur, I thought that the, the move was go wide and go crazy and like, throw on the, everything on the wall and see what sticks. And we really learned to like, you know, you just need one funnel or one system that's right. good. And that's, that's better than having a bunch of things that kind of suck. So that's the one thing that I almost always tell everybody is, you know, get that one core product and, and you'll see a huge difference. And if you don't know what that core offer is, like figure it out, build it. And, and there's obviously ways to get there, but that's definitely something we go back to all the time. Now, you mentioned the bells, and I don't know if I was clear enough on them um, earlier, but for those who are listening who may be very confused when we're talking about bells, can you just can you go into some detail about how uh, what the bells mean to prodigies? Yeah, so we're talking about the, these episodes. Imagine a Blue's Clues, green screen, animated host, sort of Nick Jr.-esque meets Guitar Hero. Hey, everybody, we're going to sing in a hand sign with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. This song has six notes. And then we use the bells because they're a great visual. They're also in, so imagine like a, de we call them desk bells, but imagine like an actual desk bell that you would see at a hotel, you know, ring, 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 concierge, somebody comes, comes down. It's that right. kind of bell. They're just a little bit more colorful and they're easy to identify because of the colors and because they're individualized, you can give a kid just two notes or just three notes or even just one note. Here's Aloha A. And it's just a song about one note and now this child isn't smashing. I mean, my daughter, who's like the daughter of Mr. Rob, is like the most guilty child of smashing every key on the keyboard. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, how many blog posts have I written about that? I'm like, don't let your kid do this. And she's back here smashing away. It's like, okay, here are your desk bells. Here's your two <laughs> notes. And here's Brahms lullaby and C. And here's C and G. And you can go nuts because right. the play is going to be like spot on, more or less. So that, that's why the bells are great, as you can, and they're also a great visual for a kids show you know they're they're big so when you see me playing a piano you kind of need the top down view or the gitalele or the ukulele it's hard to see what's going on really the bells it's very clear he just hit the red one he just hit the yellow one and the kids can mimic it very easily yeah um so yeah that, that's something that we sell alongside the, the the they're from rhythm band instruments it's the chroma notes desk bells you can search cndb 
sometimes it's cndb d or cndb d but that's just uh on amazon you can find them we offer them we we're doing a pre-sale but they're chromanos desk bells they're they're awesome they're durable they sound great and that's what we recommend for anybody getting started with infants or toddlers or anybody doing our general music curriculum and xylophones and glockenspiels and pianos all of that work really well but you don't have that ability to isolate the notes so for infants and toddlers it is kind of nice to have like here's the yellow bell and we're playing ola e and you know you get that kind of focus yeah and for anybody who's listening, uh, we will add the link to these to the show notes. Well, really to everything to Prodigy's music website as well, but but definitely to those bells if you want to get started on that. So I'd really love to know from a, you know, uh, being a fellow fine arts uh, undergrad uh, major as well, I would love to know your perspective in turning your passion into your own business. I think that's a lot of I think that's something that a lot of um, artists would like to do in some way, shape, or form, whether that is, you know, uh, being a full-time musician, being on Broadway, whatever it is, Hollywood, or creating your own business like you've done. So I'd love to know kind of how that's been for you um, from maybe an artistic perspective, and then how you're continuing to find the passion in what you do, because I think we can all agree at a certain point, it it bleeds more into the job than the passion category, but you've still got both. So I'd love to get your perspective on both of those things. Yeah. And you're asking at a really interesting time too, which I can kind of get into. Um, you know, I've heard from my best friends and my cousins and everybody that I play music with that, I'll, like the people that say, oh, I would never want to do music as a, as a job. It's playing the drum set at night is my favorite way to escape or and I totally get that, but I just have a, I'm just, I guess I'm just different from them in that respect, or it's just a choice. But like you're saying, uh, and people in the fine arts, you know, I certainly am very grateful and very happy that I do get to pursue something that is very much aligned with my, you know, I, I grew up making movies with a camera and I went to school for music tech and I play guitar and drum set and piano, but like, and so it's just, it's all these things that I love doing and they all come together all the time. And I've worked with kids since I was since I was 13. I was a preschool teacher for five years. Like so, it's all these things really came together at once. I you know I really I, again I can't speak for everybody, but if you do have that drive, if you do have that passion, I would encourage you to go go get it and get after it. And if you are successful, even to some extent, when you like we're getting to the point now where I have the ability to like ask people or tell people like, hey, like here's this piece of art that I need to make this vision a reality. And here's this track that I need. And it's just so amazing. It's like, wow, like, you know, my brain does so run so many miles a minute with these crazy ideas. And now there's actually an outlet for them. And it's not, it used to be just as fast as I could animate. And now it's as, as fast as I can communicate. And that's like a totally different game. Uh, and it's very freeing. And it's very exciting. Uh, as as an art, I mean, I don't know, if I call myself an artist, you know, I'm not doing the most like, we're not, I'm not creating the most beautiful music the world's ever heard, but we're certainly taking an element of the, the modern pop aesthetic as far as like the visuals and the graphics combining it with, you know, a, a modern pop music sound and also with something that's actually educational. And, you know, we're drawing a lot of inspiration from the Nick Juniors and the Noggins of the world, but it's, it's a ton of fun and I absolutely love it. And we get to, I get to work with some of my best friends and some of the people that I've worked with in music forever. Uh, but now we have like a regular stream of income, which is like a dream yeah. come true because we were all in bands forever together, like <laughs> trying to get to the next gig, trying to find the next contract, find a book, the next tour. And it's like, 
and now it's like who wants to make music today like who wants to research this song so it's it's been a real treat in that sense um and then as far as staying motivated goes you know for for a long time starting a business meant that we were in debt and we're basically just honestly getting to the other side of that now so the motivation up until very recently was like just get out of debt like we we can yeah. run payroll and we can keep everybody employed and we can keep the site up but like we still took a pretty big hit in the beginning to get us here we made some mistakes we bought some bells that were no good we hired a pr person that was basically a waste like you know there goes twenty five thousand dollars which is basically like our life savings and it's like okay well time to like start over essentially you know long story short and then so now that we are so for year, for years the motivation was just like get, get back to square one like get the business viable prove that we're viable and now that we're here the motivation is turning back to sort of the initial dream of like can we teach the entire next generation of kids or at least a nice chunk of them absolute pitch perfect pitch and and it's also allowing us to go back to sort of like I was saying earlier get get clear about like what our one core core offer is what our one core product is and, and then just push all of our energy into that as opposed to trying to get fancy and trying to like come up with different offers or cross sells or like, you know, the marketing world and the entrepreneurship world is so full of the shiny marketing strategy. But for us, it's like, uh, you know, we're now we're just head down and, and, and trying to stay focused on that one membership offer. Um, and we just hear from so many families that it's such, it's such a game changer for them. And, you know, even if it's maybe a lower price point or not the best, business strategy for for certain reasons it uh, on the flip side it, it we're, we're fulfilling that core mission where we're like hitting all these people who might not otherwise have that opportunity and it's just you know we're still kind of a small business and we can we want to work with people so we want to make it easier for them we're not out to like turn a crazy profit at the end of the year for our shareholders we're just trying to feed our family and you know and, and kind of get to the end of the day so that's uh it's just sort of what keeps us motivated. And now we're starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, where do we want to live? Like, what do we want our future to look like? Where do we want to, you know, have a family for real? Uh, and so right. we're starting to get to the, those bigger questions now, which is nice and exciting and, and more motivating than staying out of debt is. And it's like, oh, cool. We can do like, we can go live wherever we want, or we can like hire more people. Yeah. This is so much fun as opposed to like, so yeah, I, I you know if you're pursuing your, your passion as as a as a business i say stick with it uh the only uh, the last thing i'll say there as a word of warning is you know don't be convinced that your passion is you know profitable in its rawest form like you know my passion in its rawest form was like playing the drum set in a live setting and teaching by day is like a good way to make make some money okay well like maybe there's some middle ground there. Maybe like actually, so, you know, so just taking those things and, and combining your different passions to find something more unique. You know, there's, there's thousands of singer songwriters. Are there thousands of singers or millions? Are there millions of them doing awesome X, Y, and Z combined with another thing in this specific, you know, genre, or specific niche style, whatever it is. So just getting really clear. And people used to tell me like, Oh, well, what's your fundamental purpose or what's your, like, what's your, your core mission. And I would say something like, we're going to make the best music lessons for kids ages two to 12. And they're like, that's not specific enough. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's pretty specific. They were like, no, I want to yeah. hear we're the best consumer uh, product for music lessons for kids three to five. Like, you know, people that, that whole like niche down, niche down, niche down. So I would just encourage everyone to do that as, as, 
as much as you can and and having a lot of artist friends and i've seen them struggle with like oh here's my new hit single and it's like it's like that's a great song but like unless you're either going to produce it or come up with a clever video or you know do something to kind of there's just so much out there so you just really don't don't settle for like your first iteration try it again try it again try it again and you're you know then you'll get onto something for sure Definitely. And, you know, I, I, I can speak to that as well, because one of the one I heard, I, I love mantras and I have so many of them, but I heard this from uh, someone not too long ago that they talked about, you know, if you can't be the best, be different and different can look a lot of ways. Right. But if you know, if you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're not going to be the best music, like the number one music educator out of every single person. It's like, cool. Then how can we stand out? and be different so that way when folks see us, they go, I love the way that they're approaching curriculum. I love the way that they're approaching this or whatever. And that can look, you know, like in music or podcasts or you know, whatever, there's a variety of ways you can do it. But by finding a way to stand out in your own unique way and say, this is the prodigy's way of doing it. This is the detox way of doing it or whatever it is. Then you're able to draw people in and they know this is what you are about. This is what you're trying to do. This is how you're going about doing it. And I want to go back to what you had said about not uh, not being sure you call yourself an artist. I would say, I would argue that point and say you can absolutely say that because of the fact that art is about inspiring creativity in others. And in my opinion, leaving the world a little bit better than you found it. And you're doing that on a daily basis by inspiring the next generation of kids who are going to go and do amazing things because they have this fundamental belief and core lessons instilled in them. So to me, that is the complete definition of what an artist is. And so, you know, I'm here to just say definitely take pride in that because I think it is of value and merit and uh, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, hey, thank you. I, I appreciate to, that. Yeah. yeah I, I always feel like artists is like, you know, the Van Gogh or the, uh, oh, the yeah. guitarist. So I seriously, seriously appreciate that. I, sometimes I don't even call myself <laughs> a musician. I'm like, ah, oh, I haven't gigged in a year. People are like you gigged for like 10 years. Like, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> so, so it goes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally, I totally know. I am, um, you know, like I, I mentioned before, my undergrad's in theater. And so for a long time, I thought if I'm not actively acting and performing or writing plays or directing or whatever it is, then I cannot call myself an artist. I am misusing my theater degree, that kind of stuff. And then getting into podcasting and recognizing skills that I picked up in theater, I'm applying in different ways that are new and exciting. And then finding ways it's like, okay, well, how is podcasting actually helping me in other areas of my work in my life for communicating with folks and talking and all this other stuff. So yeah, so to your point, I totally agree with the kind of almost imposter syndrome type of perspective with regards to, am, am I truly an artist? I don't know. I'm kind of doing a corporate thing with my skills and talent. That feels a little, am I selling out? I don't know what, what that entails, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> Yeah. And I find that kind of helps me stay motivated too. Like even as a musician for a long time, I never really called myself a musician. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gigging with, I'm gigging or I'm like, yeah, I'm a drummer in this band or whatever. Um, more, sure. more as like a means of staying uh, like something that was still aspire to, you know, when I think, when I think in the drum, I'm thinking about drummers and I think musician, I think of the, like, you know, the best out there, the Steve Gads and the Carter Bufords and the, the buddy riches that, you know, so when I when I'm when I'm 50 and I call myself a musician, I want it to mean that I'm in that category, I guess. Uh, 
And, and I totally, and I, obviously that's a little different than the imposter syndrome. And I certainly feel that in all the other areas of my business, a, a thousand percent, but the, uh, but I do, I do love, uh, I do love holding those things a little out of my own reach to kind of like keep myself running a bit. Like, mm, Oh yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm not really an entrepreneur yet. Like, you know, once we hit like this number, sure, sure. then I'll be an entrepreneur. Like, you know, sure. it's just yeah. it's, it's interesting kind of, and, and it keeps our Slack channels, uh, you know, light and, and fun at least. You know, no one like takes themselves too seriously anyway. I love that. I know that we're going to be getting ready to gear up in for the final segment here in just a minute. But uh, one last question I want to pose to you is uh, if there's somebody out there who's listening who wants to get their kids involved with music or wants to lay a good foundation for them, aside from getting uh, subscribing to Prodigies, what is some good tips and lessons uh, and learnings that they could incorporate right away? Yeah, totally. So. I'll point you to this training we have, prodigiesmusic.com backslash training uh, for the for the ultimate list of those things exactly. Uh, it's just like a free webinar that my wife and I did. It's really well done, uh, really worth watching. But but some of the things on there off the top of my head that you definitely want to focus on, and you can look these up and, and kind of go deeper on them. I'll kind of run through them a little bit. One, we talked about that idea of meaningful play with pitch. That's just the idea of giving the musical notes, the individual musical notes, their own time to shine, singing with the hand signs, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, learn those, those Kerwin hand signs, the solfege hand signs. You can check them out on Pinterest or on our website, or, you know, if you just search that, you'll find it. Um, that those are both really, those kind of go hand in hand. The solfege hand signs are a great way to, they provide a bilateral kinesthetic motion. It's sort of a fancy way of saying both parts of the brain are moving together with your hand, just makes the notes more memorable. So I would certainly Make sure that you're teaching your kids that. Look up some YouTube videos about that. Get the print on a poster. Work with that. Um, that's sort of one school of thought. There's something called high information music, which if you uh, check out the YouTube channel or the app Neural, uh, or the, I think the YouTube channel is Rick Beato, and the, the app is Neural, N-U-R-Y-L. The idea of high information music, it's kind of what you think about like with classical music or jazz for babies, like play them really complicated music, but this isn't, this isn't just like Mozart or Beethoven. It's like Stravinsky and um, Charlie Parker, things that are a little bit more modern, a little bit more distant. Okay, I gotcha. Just, just like uh, we call it eating your musical vegetables. Like if, if playing with the bells is like this fun pop, you know, candy, ear candy experience, the yellow, yellow, yellow. It's so fun. It's bright. It's fun. Like then the, the, the music, the vegetable equivalent is sort of the, the high information music. Cause, cause it's honestly kind of hard to listen to. Like if you listen to these things, there's no real theme. It's all 12 notes all the time before they hit another one. So it's, it's just more advanced music. But if you play that for your kids, whether they're coloring or playing outside, whether we had, we had it on, we were in a water balloon fight. So it's like, balloons are getting shocked and like Tchaikovsky is going off. It's like pretty funny, but the um, it's, it's, that's really good for developing your, your, their overarching musical palette. You know, if you can, if you can eat like kale without washing it, you can certainly eat like, you know, M&Ms, like, you know, the, the tolerance for what's, you know, health. You know, it, it's just a kind of that kind of, that kind yeah. of metaphor, but you get the idea. Um, so that high information music is definitely a good one to check out. Um, there's, the solfege hand signs, the call and response rhythms. That's a really fun one. That's just really easy stuff you can do tapping and clapping. We do a ton of that. Another really easy and fun one uh, is the whole idea of intraverbals, which is sort of like finish the sentence or fill in the blank. So 
Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you, and like let your kid finish a sentence. You can do that with a five-month-old or a six-month-old. And if you yeah. practice it enough, they'll go, dar. Like, you know, they'll like get that, yeah. that, that little bit of pitch and that little bit of vocab. Like maybe you don't think that your four or five-month-old five is really singing or speaking yet, but they will do that stuff. And we, our daughter did that like crazy as an infant. And now she sings all kinds of stuff. So those intraverbals are really, really useful just for building rhyme schemes. And, and obviously you have to sing the song a bunch of times, but once you've sang it, they can kind of fill in the blank, um, you know, pick a song, do it for two or three weeks. Uh, by the end of the two or three weeks or a month or so, you, especially around that, if you're, if you have a, a babbling toddler or a babbling infant, they will start to get it. It's really fun. Um, so, those, so those are some of sort of the high level tips. Uh, the other thing that we do is a ton of guided composition. We do a lot of work with those individual notes, like I was saying. And the last big ear training tip that I love to leave people with, but it is a little more complicated is, you know, in, in music there, if we're talking about within a given scale, so we can just talk about the C major belts is the easiest way, but within music, there are these seven or eight notes. They repeat in a pattern. Within there, there are these three main chords, the, the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord. In the key of C major, it's C major, G major, and F major. That's your one, five, and four, respectively. Exposing kids to these chords is a really big part of ear training. So this is a little bit more advanced, but you kind of want to spend the first three months of their musical experiences or their lessons focusing on just the C major chord play them that chord, those three notes, it could be on a piano or the bells or on the xylophone or whatever, and then play some other sound, like a, like drop something or your keys or like make the sound of a dog, something abrasive kind of, and see if they can pick out, was that the chord or was that this other abrasive sound, lightning or keys or whatever? And then three months later, obviously, if you do that enough, they're gonna figure out what's the, the C chord and what the, the lightning or whatever sound is, that's pretty easy add the G major chord, you do that same idea for the, for that now for months three to six, you have that other chord. And then at month six, you add the third chord, the F major chord, so that by the end of nine months, you've sort of slowly introduced these three chord, three core chords. Uh, that is sort of a, a little bit more advanced. That's what we are doing inside of prodigies, like inside of all the lessons, they're all building in that direction. But if you are looking for the 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 way to do it yourself, that is essentially a very large look or a sort of a zoomed out look at how the ear training really works, how it works, especially well in young kids. Uh, teaching them that one, five and four chord is really, you know, a, a powerful fundamental or a powerful foundation for music in a big way. I absolutely love that. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I am excited now. We're going to uh, segue into my favorite segment of the week. It's the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my usual unsuspecting guests and in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I don't have the audience. I just have my guests, so it works out. Uh, but Rob, I know that you've listened to some, so you should be a little prepared. So I'll ask you, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up today? You know what? I don't have a good one on hand. I, uh, I'm woefully under underprepared for this i i wish i did man i i don't off the top of my head and i feel terrible but if you've got one and you want some reactions i'm good for i'm good for a joke critic or a laugh but uh yeah i should uh, i should i'll try to circle back with you on a dad joke but i uh, i apologize no you're good i've got some musical themed dad jokes for us today <clears throat> uh so 
So here we go. So here we go. Rob, uh, what is Beethoven's favorite fruit? Beethoven's favorite fruit. Oh, I think I've heard this one. So am I allowed to tell the answer or do you want yeah, to? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's a banana. -na. Yes, that is right. Banana. -na. No, yes, yeah, I definitely. <laughs> I, I love that. I love a good Beethoven joke. <laughs> uh, Rob, what do you get when you drop a piano down a mine shaft? Piano down a mine shaft. I do not know. A flat minor. <laughs> a flat minor. All right, last one. Last one. That's a good one, man. Did you? That's yeah. a good one. All right, Rob. Uh, why did the pirate buy a Pavar uh, Pavarotti album? Pavarotti. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Ooh. Why did the pirate buy a Pavar Pavarotti album? I I don't know. I, I've got. I, I don't know. <laughs> Because he loved the high seas. <laughs> oh, no. <nice. laughs> well, Rob, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Prodigy's Music Lessons. I'm also uh, on Instagram as Rob Young Maui, but that's really just pictures of me and my daughter and my wife running around. Uh, so it's not, not nearly as exciting as the, the Prodigy stuff. Uh, and then <laughs> Prodigy'sMusic.com prodigymusic.com slash curriculum. That's where you can kind of find the, the best information about our program. And then we're on Facebook too. We don't do too much Twitter. We're big on Pinterest, lots of free resources on Pinterest, Prodigy okay. Music Lessons, lots of posters and downloads and things like that there too. And we've got our blog has a ton of free resources, especially right now during COVID and distance learning. So um, definitely check that out as well. And we've, we've been featuring a lot of uh, African-American composers and black composers to try to we definitely, you know, need to, to buff up that side of our music curriculum and get a little bit more on the socially yep. responsible curriculum train. So we've been putting out a lot of that content recently. So if you find us on social, you'll check out, you'll probably see some of that coming up soon for sure. Very nice. Well, Rob, we need a hashtag for this episode. Should we just use hashtag prodigies? We tend to use happy musicking, musicking being a Ooh, verb. happy musicking. Yeah, we tend to use that one. You can use uh, Prodigy's music, or and sometimes we'll do sing, sign, play. But happy, happy musicking is sort of our most um, most independent or most you know other people are not on that one kind of thing. So we use that. Like the most. Obviously, Prodigy's is a little bit more uh, generic to try to lock down as a sure. That's fair. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, Rob, thanks so much for coming on, listeners. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Um, Typically, I would just give the hashtags, but I'm going to ask you, Rob, if after the end of the hashtags, you can do your traditional sign-off on the videos with the see you later, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, dude, totally. Yeah. So at the end All of right. the video, it's, uh, oh, you know, you do you want to go? You got something, one what? more thing for yeah, us? Yeah, yeah. So, go for so listeners. Make sure to come back next week. Um, until next time, hashtag happy musicing and hashtag be a better dad. Nice. So we like to say uh, thanks so much for being here. And until next time, I will... See ya later, see ya later, see ya, see ya later. Hey, thanks so much, everybody. Have a good one. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. 
For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.